how the community uh, life works, how community and church works, um, the way you set it up, not the way we think it should be set up, the way you set it up, Lord, and uh, that you'd help us to, to not just hear it, but to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys may be seated. As you can see, a lot of verses this morning, so we're going to break it up into sections. Um, but it's all one theme, basically, right? Uh, especially after verse 3 on. Uh, and that's, remember, this is written to a pastor dealing with a church. And so this is church ministry 101, you know, this is, this is, we get such good insight and opportunity to read this and to understand the way the church is supposed to relate in real life situations, right? I mean, that's one of the things that's so valuable is understanding how to do something in real life. There's so many people, have, we can get information. A lot of times you come out of college and you think, I know it all. But without on-the-job experience, good luck. You know, you really don't get it until you're in it. You know, that's when you really start to figure it out and to learn and experience it. So this is that experience, the real thing. Hearing it and then doing it. Starting in verse 1. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. Younger men as brothers older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with all purity. Remember, Timothy's a younger and kind of a timid pastor. He doesn't really, you know, he's kind of chill, but he's called to confront major issues in the church. He's got to have the confidence and the boldness to know of his calling. Like, Timothy, don't forget the prophecies concerning you. Don't forget the hands that were laid on you. Don't forget like that you've been called into this ministry. Be bold. Be confident. God has called you to be the leader that can address this specific thing. I know you're scared. I know it's kind of against your nature, but you've been called to this, so walk in it. Right? We kind of talked, we talked about that last week. So all of that, but then he says basically with humility and honor, not with arrogance. So as you're doing this, you do it with honor. You do it with humility. And, and really, it's interesting. We're tapping into really good insights for leaders in general, right? Leaders got to know where they're going. They have to have confidence, boldness, bravery to do the right thing, yet without running everyone over. You know, the chill, a lot of times, like, the, the more humble and, and relaxed and, and uh, you know, kind leaders get run over, and you're not getting the results. You're not getting results. But the people who run people over might get the results. They lose the people. <clears throat> Got to find somewhere in the middle. This is where it's both. And so he's reminding Timothy, uh, don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father. It's interesting is the Bible tells us, does tell us to rebuke at times, right? It's actually in 2 Timothy 4.2. Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, right? Rebuke can be a godly instruction, but not to older men. Older men are be, to be exhorted. You know what exhort means? To exhort it means to urge or to implore. It, you're going the same direction, but with a different kind of tactic, because if, if we misread this, you could say, Timothy can't say anything but encouragement to the older people in his church. And that's not a good leader, right? It's the way you do it that matters. 
with respect, with honor. You know, it, it, how many of you guys have found out that age doesn't equal maturity? Have we noticed that, right? Age does not equal maturity. And so you see someone and you're like, man, this person must be mature. And then you start talking to him. And you're like, oh, wow. You sound like high school to me. Like this sounds exactly like everyone sounded in high school. How can this be? Age does not equal maturity, right? And so we've got to understand that. That like just because you're older doesn't mean you know everything. We know that, right? We all experience that. It's like, and actually, the more humble you are, the more you realize, the older you get, the more you're like, I didn't really, I knew less than I thought I knew, right? So Timothy, though, as a pastor, is going to be called to talk to people who are older than him, but it, it, and, and to deal with things and issues, real issues, real stuff. And, and by the way, if you're, if you're someone older, um, I know it's hard to listen to younger people. I've had them had younger people. Now I'm the I'm getting older. <laughs> so it's funny, like you're like younger people, you're like, when I was younger, it was like, come on, guys, we're all trying our best. And then you all of a sudden now a younger person says something to you and you're like, you don't know anything. Oh. That's why you didn't listen to anyway. But part of it is is staying receptive and open to the Lord. To like, God, you can use anyone to speak to me. If the Lord used a donkey. He can use anybody, right? So that's part of it, right? Is staying humble uh, and addressing the older, the older men with this humility. Exhort, encourage, think of creative ways to help them get to where you want. But it's not being timid. It's being kind, respectful, but driven to the point. Because here's the thing. A lot of times, if we don't address the real issue, if you see an issue, you don't address the issue, you have become the issue. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? You hear that all the time. When there's like something bad happens, uh, you'll find out there was a bunch of people who saw it and didn't do anything about it. What, what do you think about those people? Ah, oh, they just weren't, didn't want to get involved. You're like, are you kidding me? It's, it's really gnarly when it's like dealing with like a child, some sort of an abuse case. And you go, oh... Well, we didn't really know. We weren't really sure. So we just kind of like let it go. And you're like, are you serious? You let it go? No, no. You've, if you don't address this, you got to go. You got to get out of here. If you're not, that's not a leader that can't address a real issue like that. Okay? We're all growing. We know that. But like this is, this is, this is when you see something, you've got to deal with it. So Timothy has to deal with that. So how do you do it? With older men, you don't rebuke them. You exhort them as a father. Younger men as brothers. There's still a mutual respect, but brothers have a little bit of different ways of relating, don't they? I still see my brother. He'll flinch when I say, what's up? <laughs> but it's all love, you know, I think. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, looking at them in the same way with that honor and that respect um, while still being called to what you're called to. Younger women as sisters with all purity. So for a, a pastor, a young pastor, looking at, at women as younger women as sisters with all purity, this is, would save a whole bunch of issues, right? Because if you look at someone like your sister, you love your sister dearly, but looking at them with all purity is not a problem. 
right? Because you see them as related to you. This is my, my sister. This is like my blood. Like there's no, there's not, that's not a thing, right? So these are really good ways of dealing in community, right? This will definitely help you avoid moral failings and, um, and also to have the proper respect to where, where, just how we're supposed to deal with each other. And we got to think about that. You know, it's like, I just tell the truth. I'm just a truth teller. Just how do you tell the truth, though? Because that really matters, doesn't it? Especially if you're married, you know this. It's not just what you say, it's how you say it. And so how we say it matters. How we approach people absolutely matters. It's the truth in love. I've said it many times, love without uh, truth is hypocrisy, and truth without love is brutality, Right? So we got to do both. Think about how we say the things we say. Verse 3, honor widows who are really widows. But if anyone has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show piety at home and to repay their parents, for this is a good and acceptable before God. Widows who are really widows. You're like, really? How do we, do you have to like check their papers? Like, what is that? Widows who are really widows? Like, you think if someone's a widow, it's pretty cut and dry, Right? Uh, but really, the essence of, of the word or phrase here is widows who are such in the full sense, fully dependent, like fully uh, stuck. Like they have no other options. So honor those who are really widows, like they have no one to back them up. They're completely alone. The contrast is widows who have resources, Okay. The widows who have resources and family members to help them. This will deal with uh, when and how much the church is to serve those in in that position. And the church is, yes, the church building, but church as a community. Right? So we sing, the first thing to look at with widows is, are the family members involved? Is the family involved in helping? That's the first goal. The family should take care of their own, right? This is kind of, this is something that most cultures get better than us, right? They're like generational homes. Like you could have multiple generations living in a home. Everyone takes care of everyone. It's just like, that's just what you do. So Paul is reminding them, first of all, take care of your family, Show piety at home. Repay your parents. You you take care of your kids. Your kids eventually take care of you. And there's a transition that happens, right? But showing piety, what does that mean? It means worship or devotion at home. We We like really prefer ministry not at home, outside the home, and neglect the home. That's too messy. I know those people too well. You know? How do I minister at home? I'd rather... Go on a mission trip than go across the street, right? It's just too close. What am I going to do with that? I was like, no, we, we deal with what's right in front of us, right around us, okay? So dealing first and foremost with your family. Help them. So that's someone who would be a widow, but not a widow in this sense. Someone who has support, uh, resources, or family members. It makes a big difference for how much... Uh, the church is involved with that. Uh, it's really interesting and practical. Uh, a widow, basically a widow supported by the church, 
it must actually really, really be in need. And we're going to see there's other qualifications. Verse 5, now she who is really a widow and left alone trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. And these things command that they may be blameless. But if anyone uh, does not provide for his own, especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Uh, Paul kind of goes back and forth, back and forth. But he re, he's restating uh, the same truth over and over again so we can get it, right? Repeat, 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 repeat. That's part of it, you know? I, mean, I, I Canon over and over again, his baseball swing. Canon do the same thing, same thing, every time, same thing, every time, every time, every time. And I'll, I'll catch him, he'll be doing some wild swing. And I'm like, don't do that. Because all of a sudden he'll show up in the game. I'm like, what is that? He's been practicing it because he's been doing it. I've been watching Shohei Otani. This is how he hits. Well, that's not how you hit. So you got to do it the way you do it. You practice it. You practice it. Repetition. And then when you need it in the game, it's there for you. Right? That's the idea. That's practice. They say practice the way you play. Right? Same thing. So this is Paul. Repetition is really important. He's going to say it from every angle. But the, the widow that's to be supported by the church has got to be a godly member of the community. Um, this was evidently an issue in Ephesus. There were women living off the generosity of the church while living in blatant sin. Like, they're just living off the church as like just their like kind of like their sugar you know daddy or whatever to 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 survive. But then they they were living like wild lives that they didn't have to live. You know what I'm saying? And so that that's that's a, an actual issue. He says if you if, if you are a widow that's looking for support, you need to be a godly member of that community. You need to show that you're part of that community. Again. Start with the mission at home. God wants to see us meet the needs of the people around us. There it is again. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he's denied the faith. Again, emphasis is on if you have people that can help you in your household, this is their part, okay? Verse 9, do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the, mem- into the number, and not unless she has been the wife of one man well-reported for good works, if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she was, uh, has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. Again, the emphasis on the widow's godly character and role in community. So 60 years old, that's like, that's, what is that number? You know, why 60? Well, at, at this point, that was continued, like the age, like senior citizen age for them. We go much less likely to get remarried, much less likely to be doing some of that other stuff. He's going to be talking about more in a second here. But the widow that's supported must be older and must be faithful. A faithful member of the community and a faithful spouse when she was in that position. Wife of one man, it doesn't mean that you can't be remarried because Paul's actually going to say, get remarried if you're young. <laughs> if, you know, hey, if you want to get remarried, get remarried. That's okay. So it's not an indictment against being remarried. It's about uh, a one, when you, you see uh, some of the qualifications of leaders, it's a one wife man, meaning you are faithful. You're faithful to your spouse. And so that's what this means when it's talking about uh, a woman in that position. 
So again, then this woman is seeking support, active member of the community of faith, supporting kids, right? She's raised her kids. She's brought up her children. She's lodged, has lodged strangers, right? She's, and then uh, washed the saints' feet. She's relieved the afflicted. She's diligently followed every good work. And this is a real, this is quite the woman, right? But it's saying this, this is important to understand because the resources are really important in a church setting. And so it's not just, it's not like a welfare deal. It's like you, you, you're going to use what you have to bless those around you. But like if you're going to commit to this is going to be to somebody who is really part of that community. And that's one of the things I've been in pastoral ministry since 2005, I guess. And, you know, we'd hear a lot about, hey, can you pay this? Can you pay that? You know, throughout all the different churches you're part of. And, and, and a lot of times you'll do stuff out of generosity. We just want to help, you know. But people who are looking for, like, more or they want uh, to, you know, be sustained or whatever, you're like, well, hey, where do you, are you part of our community? Because those are the first people that are, you're looking to bless. And that's what's interesting about that is if you're part of a church community, a lot of times it doesn't actually even have to get to the pastor of the church. It's already happening within the church. Right? There's like a ministry that's already doing that. There was a, a ministry at the Packing House. It was a giant church. So they had a ministry for everything. But they had a, a one called work, men's working, working Men's Hands. And they would just go to people's houses, usually widows, and they'd do their gardening, and they would help fix whatever they needed fixed, and there was a crew of them, crew of guys, they'd all get together once every other month or something, and they'd take a Saturday, and they'd go work on something, and it was a big deal, because that area is less affluent, a lot of people, they, they couldn't do it, and I, one of the times we brought our youth kids along, um, and I said, you know, one of our, I was like, hey, can we do something with you know, with the men's ministry. And they're like, sure. So we came out and we worked them to the bone, man. And these kids were like in, in the IE heat in the summer. Most of their events are like going to the zoo or, you know, a water park or something. And we're like, <laughs> today we're going to be taking junk out of a backyard and uh, cleaning a house. What do you guys think about that? You know, it was amazing though. Actually, that event had more kids at it and more memories than most of the other ones. You take your own, you know, you can make your own application off of that. But the idea is that the community serves the community. And those people that we were serving were members of the church. So the needs were known. And there was a face to go with the need. Doesn't, isn't that a big deal? If your friend's in need, you want to help them. Someone writes to you, and they're an Ethiopian prince. And they, are, and they have a need. And you're less likely, you know, even though they're going to give you many millions of dollars if you, you can wire them a little bit, you're less, less likely to do that. You know, I, I don't, if I don't know who it is, who someone is, I don't answer the phone generally. Are you guys in the same boat? Yeah, sorry. If I don't have your number, I did not answer it on purpose, just to be honest. Because <laughs> a lot of it gets streamed through. You didn't even mean to call me. Like you were trying to call someone else. My number is very, very close to a doctor's office in Loma Linda. So there's a lot of people who are like confirming their, uh, their doctor's appointment, even though my answering machine says, uh, hello, you've reached Chris Fick. Thank you for calling my cell phone. They're like, this is probably how the doctor's office would answer too. 
Hey, I just wanted to say that wart removal, I'm ready for it. You're like, oh, heavens. Just call back, hey, so what is going on? What are, you guys, are you guys okay? <laughs> but this, this is where when you're actually in the community, it's not blind. It's not, you, the, the benefits of being in the church, they're everything. I mean, I mean, it is such a big deal. And the numbers show the COVID, post-COVID church attendance, they're literally saying this. If you expected to see people, uh, you know, four times a week, a month, a week, that's good, uh, four times a month, you, the new norm is twice. People just kind of gotten used to not going, which is, there's no judgment on that end, but that's part of the way it is. But in being in the community, day after day, week after week, we see it with our kids, the youth group. There's like, they grow, they, are, they know each other. They're happy to see each other. And they come almost out, they're always there. It's a big deal. It's like, it's like becomes the thing. When we're in community together, especially we do something like a marriage thing, and you start to actually know one another, then you know how to pray for one another. You also know how to bless one another. Who knows how to give you the best gifts? Someone who knows you or someone who doesn't know you? Who knows how to order? Let's get even more personal. Who knows how to order you food? You can really screw that up, right? You can really mess that up. I remember one of our friends helped us move. Love this guy. He's awesome. And he was helping us move, and he asked for a certain burrito from the shop, and they didn't have that burrito, so I made an executive decision. I said, let's get that, this other burrito that's kind of like it, and they said, do you want guacamole on it? And I said, yes. And it ruined his burrito. Instead of getting it on the side, he was, he was gracious, but he did call it baby poop at one point. Sorry, guys. He didn't like it. <laughs> but I, I, I didn't know. I had no clue. You know who could order for me better than anyone else? My wife. She knows what I want and what I don't want, for sure. And I can also order for her. I usually do. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the thing about being in community. You get to know what's going on. You get to bless people firsthand. You get to invest in people firsthand. So if your family is failing you or you don't have one, the church becomes another family, a community. And I think it should be anyway. But it actually takes on the role that was meant to be played by somebody else. Now, if the, somebody else is not there, then that's where we get into a biblical reason for it. It's important to understand, too, this culture is, is quite a bit different than the one we're in now. Wives didn't have careers uh, where they just like could go to work. It was kind of like you marry, that is your source of income. That is your everything. You are taking care of the home largely. And, and it's an extensive, you know, task taking care of, of the home in the ancient Near East world. <laughs> but that's, that's what it was. So the idea of these people who really are widows, 
that have no other means of support are like done. No social security, no nothing. No government help, no, there's, that, that's it. So they're living off of whatever people can help them. So that's important to, I guess, note. But that's where the church does get involved. But I, I've never noticed how stipulated it is, in a sense. And it's to, it's to avoid abuse, right? Because people will say, I need this or I need that. We had someone show up here one day, um, and they were like, you know, I, I need, my car broke down. I, I, I just got it fixed. I got to get to Oregon. That's where my mom is. Got to get to Oregon. And I can't, I have no money for gas. So we, we helped. But you didn't give them money. Put gas in the tank. It's like, here's, okay, let's go to Arco, put some gas in your tank. She is so thankful, so grateful. She really needed gas in her tank. That's what she needed. But you're not, you're not just like, here, 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 here. You know, it will leave stacks, a stack of cash for whoever, you know, wants to come. That's not being a good steward at all, right? And so this is important to understand because everything's limited. So we got to be smart and wise. Wise more than smart. But the, uh, the community of grace is meant to be, uh, to inspire works of God, right? That's, that's part of it. You have this community of grace. We have this, this, this where real works are happening. God is moving. These, this widow loves the Lord. There's, now we've been given this opportunity to experience the life-changing power played out in real time. Seeing real opportunities and being a real blessing. I'll tell you what, there is, I mean, it is a great opportunity to show the love of Christ through meeting real needs. There is just no doubt about it, right? As we mentioned last week and the week before, the gospel still needs to be preached 100%, but meeting people where they're at with their needs, with their hurts, it's a big deal for sure. But the, the, the continuous support, you need to be part of the community. Because that's a big undertaking. Verse 11. But refuse the younger widows, for when they have become, uh, begun to grow wanton um, against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they cast off their first faith. And, and uh, besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Again, kind of sounds like an issue that's happening there, the way they're explaining it, right? But it's, it's something that uh, you got to be careful about, right? You get, when you give too much to those who have the ability to work, it can cause problems. Can we see this in our lives around us? When you give to somebody when they should be working, and give them the free pass, it causes all kinds of problems and too much time on your hands. We see this all the time, right? I mean, it's like you get into most trouble when you have time on your hands. One of the best things that I had in high school was played three sports. So there was never like time or energy, you know? I remember coming home and like falling asleep with like not taking a shower after playing football. That wouldn't happen now, no. But like, back then, it was just like, I'm toast, man. I'm so done. It's just, I'm passing out, whatever. Wake up in the morning, take a shower, it'll be fine. But that, that's the idea, is, is for the younger widows, uh, 
a lot of times they can do something and they'll probably remarry, especially those who have desires to do other stuff, right? Getting too much things though, we were meant, when we were meant to work, like which we talked about, Genesis 3, like, or Genesis 2, we were called to work before Genesis 3, the fall. When, when we're lazy and things come too easy, it's just kind of like a recipe for disaster. See that with kids, right? You give them everything, they're going to be so set up for life. Quite the opposite, right? You give them every little thing, then, you know, they never have to work for anything. That's kind of a problem. And, uh, yeah, we know that. So the result is ungodly living. Too much energy, not enough to do. So it compounds the grief of the widow. Now sin is entered in the picture and it's causing chaos all around him because it's what it's looking like is a woman who's like going from house to house and she's either talking or something else, right? She's become a busybody gossiping. We uh, watched Little House on the Prairie and, and there was this episode, Harriet, she's crazy. If you guys know, you know, if you don't, you don't, but she gets a, a telephone and she's the switch, like the switchboard person. And she's like, so she connects everybody's lines and she listens to everything, right? And then she gets involved and there's this one episode where Laura's husband, there was all this miscommunication, like he liked another girl and he was leaving her. And she starts getting on the phone. She's like, did you hear? She calls every single person and then her husband's like, what are you doing? And then he pulls the wire out. It's like, you're done. Anyway. That's the idea of being a busybody. You don't have enough to do, so you get involved in everybody else's business and you start causing problems everywhere you go. That's the idea of a busybody. So if, if, if you've got energy and you've got resources, use them to help take care of yourself, right? Don't just sit on, on your hands and let everybody else do it for you, okay? Because then it causes more issues, more sin. Verse 14, therefore, I desire that the younger widows marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. I Meaning you have a clean conscience and a good report, right? For some have already turned aside after Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. And do not let the children be burdened that it may relieve those who are really widows. So if you are you have one of these widows and, and you're going to marry them, marry them. Don't, don't ride the gravy train, you know? Bring them in and take care of them so it's not a burden on others. Thinking about the church, thinking about everything else. Church jumps in as communities support when we, when we godly women need help. That's really, really important. It's really important. And we want to make sure we're doing that. And, and so if we're seeing opportunities we're not doing as a church, we want to do it, right? We don't want to miss that because there's, there's widows in our midst. And we want to help where we can help. And that can be in so many different ways, right? But we also want to be wise in how we do the things we do, both for the, ourselves and for the person you're ministering to. So this is like, when you're asked to go speak at a conference or something, you don't pick this text, right? This is like not like one that's like super fun to like preach. This will be fun, you know? There's like certain ones where I'm like, I'm stoked to do that one. Like last week, I love that text. This week, I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> you know, because it's like a lot of like, what, okay, discerning and all this and that. It's like less, you know, wow, okay. Wow, the, but it's so good. And it's so necessary to understand what God wants from us, what he wants us to experience, how he wants us to live, how we're supposed to be involved, to take care of our own and then, uh, and then to take care of the others in the community that don't have the resources they need. That's the church responding, extending. Can one church do everything? No, but they can do what they've been called to do. And so when God has brought something into your midst and it's, it's right there in front of you, meet the need. If, it's a, if you're available, if it's possible, meet the need. And as we continue to grow, we'll see more and more of that happen. So that door's open. But let's pray and just... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think the big thing is, is like living in community was the thing I was thinking about. How we deal with each other is a big deal, right? How we relate to one another and, and what part, how we are members of community. What kind of members of community are we, right? How helpful are we how, to community? Do we bless? Are we a blessing? You know, how do we deal with people who are different than us? Well, that's a big deal, right? How do you deal with people who are older than you? How do you deal with people who are younger than you? How do you deal with the opposite sex who's older and younger than you? This is all part of like the church community that we've got to understand and figure out or else because Satan's just waiting. That's what, he's, that's what Paul's saying. Like the devil's waiting to have a peace to mess this whole thing up. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a, a, a grip. So be thoughtful, we're thoughtful about what we do and what, how we do it, right?